Would you stretch your hands this way? Pray for me as I do the same for you. Father, thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be in your house with your people. Lord, I pray for everyone here under the sound of my voice, those watching by YouTube, those listening by podcast, those here in the building present. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would fall onto good ground, O Lord, and that it would produce a multiplied harvest in Jesus' name. And I ask that you'd help me today. I'm simply an earthen vessel, God, and I need your help. I pray that the Word of God would be like fire shut up in my bones. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so necessary, Lord, to do what you've called me to do. Hide me behind the shadow of the cross, and I pray that you would be glorified and exalted everything that's said and done in Jesus mighty name and everybody in the house said amen as you're seated would you fist bump somebody tell them you're glad to see them this morning at Starkville Church of God I kind of wondered for a little bit if brother Eric had been taking a peek at my notes when he started on this this morning but the lord has a way of confirming things and i'm thankful for that the cost of chasing foxes if you give me a little bit more monitor adrian i would appreciate it so much you know regardless of what some may tell you every everything costs something (laughs) everything costs something somewhere somehow somebody's got to pay for everything when the curse came in the book of genesis uh the lord the lord made it so he said man you're gonna have to adam you're gonna have to work the sweat of your brow thorns and thistles you know you're gonna have to work and and it's gonna be a tough living now a lot of people today you don't have to go out and you don't have to hoe a garden and you don't have to weed a garden but how many of you you know if you work you've got aggravations you've got thorns or thistles in your line of work if you sit at a desk you've got some sort of thorn and thistle aggravation that you've got to deal with and because of the curse everything costs something everybody's got to pay for something our redemption was paid for with the precious blood of Jesus Christ everything cost something and this morning I want us to look at the thought of the cost of changing chasing foxes the first fox I want us to look at this morning if you're taking notes is the fox of revenge everybody say the fox of revenge we go to the book of Judges chapter 15 and verse 4 and we look at a story of a man named Samson And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between the two tails. And when he had had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. You know, there are questions I would like to ask Samson, who was this mighty champion of Israel, a man that had supernatural strength, a man that did so many feats. I have a few questions for him. First of all, how much time does it take to catch 300 foxes? How long does it take to tie their tails together, tie a torch to their tails, light the torches, and set the enemy's fields on fire? 
I mean, how long did it take to catch those things? Last night, I'm not going to cut. Sometimes I don't want to try to over spiritualize it here. Last night, we were getting back into town at. 2 a.m. this morning from General Assembly. And as we were coming through and we came in on Old 25 and turning off Academy Road onto uh, South Montgomery here, crossing right from the fire department side over was a little old fox right here in town. And he crossed over the road in front of me. And I looked at that thing and I wondered, I wondered, man, how long would it take to catch 300 of those little things? Where do you have to go to get 300? I mean, I saw one at 2 o'clock this morning, but I'd still have 299 to go even if I was able to catch him. Uh, How long did it take you to make 300 torches to tie between their tails? And how many days of work did you have to take off to do all of this stuff that you were doing. Remember what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fox of revenge because at this time what had set Samson off was the fact that his wife had been given away to another man and he had become angry and he was mad and he wanted to get revenge on the Philistines for what was done to him and I would ask him the question was it worth all of that energy was it worth all of the anger was it worth all of the wasted time just to get revenge you know as a pastor I find myself visiting this little subject here a lot because for all of us it's so easy for us to have grudges isn't it so many of us, we, we get done wrong. Somebody hurts us. Somebody does something wrong to us. Somebody literally, and I'm not even talking about accidentally, sometimes people purposefully and maliciously come against us and hurt us. And it is so easy for us to want to get revenge. Let's be honest, the human part of us wants to get revenge. The human fleshly part of us likes the Old Testament of the eye for the eye and the tooth for the tooth. The human part of us says, I'm going to make them pay for what they did to me. But you know what is the old saying? I didn't come up with it, but there's an old saying, and I've always liked it since the very first time I've heard it. Holding bitterness towards somebody is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. You see, having bitterness and holding a grudge is never going to hurt anybody but yourself. And then especially if you take the energy and try to turn your energy into extracting revenge on the one that has done you wrong, how much time does the fox of revenge cost us? Think about it before. Have you ever tried to get it? Don't raise your hand. Have you ever tried to repay somebody? I know I have. Let's be honest. And sometimes, sometimes, let's, let's be honest here, and I'm not even talking about killing people or tying 300 foxes. Sometimes even as, I'm going to actually do a little marriage preaching today, even as spouses sometimes. Come on, we hurt one another. And we say, I'm going to get you back. I, I'm going to remember that. Jamie makes fun of me because sometimes she'll do something. I was like, all right, I'll remember that, you know. Now, y'all can look at me all holy if y'all want to, but I know that y'all have done the same thing before. I'll remember that. I know what you did. And sometimes it's the people nearest and dearest to us that we take up time and energy and we chase around the fox of revenge. Wasted hours can turn into wasted days. 
Wasted days can turn into wasted weeks. Wasted weeks can turn into wasted months. Wasted months can turn into wasted years if you decide to chase the fox of revenge. And folks, can I tell you, I know for a fact of the pastor, I've seen it. There have been people that have spent years, years in bitterness, years in wanting to get somebody back, wasted years of their own life that they could have had peace and they could have had joy, but they allowed the bitterness and the desire for revenge to be a fox that they chased around. Secondly, the second fox I want to look at is the fox of no or low priorities. It takes us back to our original text that we read in Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 15 that it is the little foxes that spoil the vines. Brother Eric, he, he went ahead and preached part of my sermon this morning. And he talked about those little things that the Lord cares about. And we like that, don't we? We'll shout to that, hey, the Lord cares about the little things. The Lord cares about those little things that are going on in my life. The Lord cares about those small things in my life. And he certainly he cares about what's going on. And, and sometimes we have the fox of no or low priorities. They spoil the vines. In other words, the tender grapes in this means that it is the beginning of of the season and the seeds aren't formed yet you see I believe that the enemy wants to stop us before we ever even truly get started that's why I believe it's so important for us to pray over our young people. That's why I spend so much of my energy and so much of my time in youth camps and things for our young people because I believe here we find it that, that the enemy wants to do it. He said, he said this, he said that while the, the grapes that spoil the vines before our vines have tender grapes. Can I just tell you something? It's not like the enemy don't fight me. He fights me plenty. But you know what? He wants those tender grapes more than he wants me. He'd rather ruin my girls before they ever grow up to be a part of what God wants them to do. That's why there's an agenda from hell trying to infiltrate our schools to pump their minds full of the garbage that is being pumped into their minds because it is the enemy that wants to go after the tender grapes before the seed has ever been but God is a God of harvest you read this Bible and God is all about seed and he's all about harvest time and what the enemy wants to do is he wants to attack the seed before the seed can ever really develop and be sown out before a harvest the enemy's not just out there in the harvest field trying to get the harvest the enemy as bad as I hate to say it he's been around long enough and he's smart enough to know that if he can attack the seed before the seed ever gets formed he doesn't even have to worry about the harvest and I believe that's why it is so imperative for us church that we make sure that the young tender grapes our children our youth our young people the college children that are about to flood this town that's why we have to protect them because the enemy is wanting to destroy them See, we find that we are addicted to urgency. You see, the enemy would like for us to chase the little foxes. He'd like for us to be running around, spending all of our time chasing these little foxes, being addicted to urgency. 
You see, we spend too much time in the urgent instead of spending time in the important. I'm going to say that one more time because that's not me. That, I got that. I've heard that years ago, and it's really good. We spend too much time in the urgent instead of the important. What the enemy wants to do, and I can tell you as a pastor how easy that is, that the enemy wants you to get so overwhelmed with what's urgent, what's trying to grab at your attention right here and right now, that you forget about what is important and you instead make everything that's urgent priority. i got a little video that I want you to see here. They're going to play it here for me, and I'm going to explain it. There's no audio to it. I'm going to explain it. You see, there was a study done uh, quite a few years back. And maybe we're going to get it. I'm not sure we're having. Here we go. There was a study done quite a few years back at a university to prove a point to some college students. And they took some things, and, and, and it represented our priorities. And we've got big rocks that represent important things. And can I say as a Christian, I believe there's important things. Brother Eric talked about the Word of God, getting in church, reading the Word, Important things, spending time with your family. Then you got some other stuff that are kind of of uh, uh, mid-level importance, and then you got some sand here that that it it kind of represents all the frill stuff that we do: go to ball games, surf the internet, get on social media, and and as they put those things in, when they put the low important things in, there was absolutely no possible way that that jar, that vase there representing your life could ever fit. But with the same amount of rocks and the same amount of sand, equally, same size jar, same everything, what they began to figure out was that if you would take the big rocks... If you would take the important things and begin to put them in first. Come on, that y'all have heard that before, haven't you? Called first fruits. If they begin to put the big things in first, and then they would put the medium level things in after that. And then you could take those things that really were of little to no importance, maybe even some fun things or some things that not, and they begin to put them in. And what you begin to find was that you were able to get it all in when you put the big things in first. I just need somebody to hear this preacher today and remind you that you need to make sure that you are not chasing little foxes all the time. Don't let the devil get you all strung out on a bunch of little mess that don't even matter. You need to get priority. Listen, priority, I know that sometimes there's some urgency, but it ain't like we want to put on sometimes. Listen, I'm a pastor and I know how we do something. We want to act like it's important. Sometimes it's even a deception that the enemy puts in but God is telling you you are you should never be too busy to read your Bible you should never be too busy to take some time and pray. You should never be too busy that you can't ever get to the house of the Lord. You need to be the one who decides what is important to you or somebody else will. Thirdly, finally this morning, 
The third little fox that we don't need to be chasing is the fox of no spiritual goals. When we look in the natural world, there are two things that guide us, the clock and the compass. The clock is the system that tells you where you are. Think about it. The clock tells us where we are. It tells us where we are in the rotation of the earth. You look in the calendar, it tells us where we are in the earth traveling around the sun. The clock is the system that tells you where you are. It is the compass that is the system that tells you where you are going. The compass is what's telling you you're lined up. You are heading. You are heading in a specific direction. You are heading west or you are heading north or you are heading east or you are heading south. It lines you up in the direction where you are going. And you know what? You need both of those things. I believe that you need to know where you are. Sometimes you got to take the clock and you've got to say, God, I need to know where I am right now. Figure out where I am. Figure out what my priorities are. Figure out what's really important to me. Figure out what really should be a big rock in my life and what should be a medium rock and what should be the sand that if there's room for it later, I'll get it in there. You need both. Then you've got to get a compass and say, Lord, what direction am I heading in? And where do you want me to go? What is the direction that you have for my life? I think I've told you all before, and I'll tell you because I know not everybody was there. Listen, I, I, I can tell you that it's very, very few times that the Lord has given me way, 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 way down the road. Usually it's a general direction, and God says, head this way. And by faith, I've got to just head that direction. I don't always know every step along the way. But I just have to have faith and trust and confidence in God to say, God, you are my clock where I'm at. You are my compass where I'm going. And I want you with the compass of the word and the compass of the spirit and the compass of prayer. I want you to just line me up and let me know where it is you want me to go. I won't ever forget. I went out to Phoenix, Arizona to Pastor Tommy Barnett's pastor's conference one time. And I heard him speak. And he said, I don't write goals down. He said, I don't write goals. When he said we were there at their church. How many of you ever been to Phoenix before? You've seen their, their church. Huge church on basically on a mountain there and they even owned the mountain there and he said there was a time where I thought that we wanted I don't remember maybe nine acres and he said but if he said if I would have just prayed for the nine acres we would have never got the 30 something acres on the side of the mountain that we had he said I've learned to just put my life in alignment with God and don't try to set some number and don't try to put a limit on God because God is just telling me he'll tell me the direction to go and if I put a cap on it God may be having more for me than I even want to have for myself so what we've got to do is make sure that our lives are in alignment with where God wants us to go and when we put our lives in alignment with God and put our priorities where they need to be it is the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord I believe that it is God that will take us where we need to go. Oh, I'd like to I'd like to set goals sometimes, but I want to be careful to not get too specific in it. I'd like to set goals and say, folks, by this time next year, I'd like to be running 500, but what if God wants us to be running 1,000? 
Come on, somebody. You know, you may have something in mind. You may say, you know what, Lord, I'll, there's a promotion that I want at work. You know, it's just it's one level up, but God may have more than you. The point is, don't dis- it's all right to ask, Lord, take me where you want me to go. Get in alignment. Where are you and your family spiritually? And where are you headed? Hey, I'm a pastor, and I certainly have to do that too. I have to look at my family. And say, Lord, where are we spiritually? Show me. Pull out the clock. Lord, where are we at? Where are we at spiritually? You know, where is Dennis and Jamie and Jaden and Molly Kate? Where are we at spiritually? And where are you taking us? And I know this is old-fashioned and some people may not like it, but I'm telling you, I believe I've got a responsibility as the high priest of my house to make sure that myself and my children and my household are in alignment spiritually and make sure that we are headed in a right direction. And I believe that every one of us, and I know that sometimes there's there's ladies you don't have the man. Y'all heard me preach this Father's Day. Sometimes the man is not stepping up to where he needs to be, and sometimes the lady has to step in and do it. But I'm telling you, somebody, the person in authority, has got to make sure where the family is and find out what direction the family is headed to. And do not be afraid to course correct. Sometimes we're headed a direction, and we start to veer off a little bit and we need the help of the Holy Ghost to bump us just a little bit and say, hey, you're getting off course. You're getting off track. You need to straighten her up and you need to head in the direction where I've got for you and your family to go. Don't you be embarrassed. Don't you be intimidated. I've come to find out that most of the time if you seem a little intimidated about it, that's usually the time that God really needs you to do it. You really need to do it and it's going to bring about a blessing in your life we need spiritual goals I know we're blessed with a lot of people from a lot of different countries here in this church but I can certainly speak that here in America we have made everything else but God and the church a priority what happens to a family that values sports over ministry Now, y'all know me. I plan to be at every home game, Lord willing, this fall. I've got two girls. I've got, we got a junior, a a junior varsity cheerleader and a varsity dance team member. We got a lot of stuff to go to. And what did we see in that video? We saw that the most important thing, listen to me, that the most important thing is you put the big rocks in first. And God will work it out for you to fit in the rest of the stuff that needs to be in there. That's where I had a problem. Some of y'all that's been here with me the whole time I've been here, you've heard me vent a little bit about some some of my biggest frustrations, and that has been travel ball teams. Travel ball teams that insist on on saying, hey, we're going to have to play this tournament on Sunday. You're just going to have to miss church. There's nothing wrong with playing ball. But when it takes you out of the house of the Lord Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, when you know good and well when a season starts that you're about to miss some of your members for a month and a half because I'm not talking about, man, everybody's going to miss every once in a while. You need a vacation every once in a while. I need a vacation every But I'm talking about when it consumes. 
it becomes a month and a half of suddenly now, God, I know you're supposed to be important. I know you're supposed to be, I know you're a big rock, but I'm about to take the sand uh, uh, of some sort of sport or activity and put it in first. Can I tell you when that happens, you get your life and your family out of alignment. You start chasing around foxes. And listen, I know y'all know me well enough to know that there are things that sin, things that they're not necessarily wrong until you put them ahead of God. And when you put them ahead of God, it is then and there that it becomes wrong. What happens to a family that values recreation over worship? What happens to a home that values carnal influences over spiritual influences? We'd be careful. I want to tell you this should be our first influence right here. Y'all know there's people out there that make a living, good living, on being social media influencers. And you know what? There's a whole bunch of our young people, the tender grapes that I was talking about at the beginning, there's a whole bunch of tender grapes out there on the vine that those influencers, they ain't, they ain't in it for the truth. They ain't in it, to, but they in it for the money. Oh, God, help me. Can, can I just tell you that I believe that's why our country's in the place where it is right now. Because we've had so many leaders. I don't care whether they fly the elephant flag or the donkey flag or whatever flag. We got too many of our leaders that have put money and profits and making a killing over the good of the people, over the good what God wants in the nation. Oh, Lord, help me right here. We must make sure that we are having spiritual influences on our life. Our kids need Spiritual, godly influences. Our kids need mothers of the church loving them. Our children need godly, praying mothers of the church influencing their lives rather than Hollywood icons telling them what they should think and what they should do. There is no replacing home. Home is priceless. I've come to realize how much influence that we have as parents, parents. What happens when a home is priestless? What happens when, and again, I, I'm just... What happens when the man of the house won't stand up and be the man of the house? What happens when whoever is the influence, whoever is, if there's not a man, if the woman of the house, what happens? Let me just tell you something. If somebody doesn't stand up and be the spiritual leader in the home, somebody else is going to. You listen to this pastor right here and right now. That if somebody in the home does not stand up and be the leader in that home, there will be somebody else that will. It might be a coach. It might be a school. 
It might be a, 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 a icon. It might be a, a, a sports icon on social media. I'm telling you, if you don't step up and make your priorities, somebody else will step up and make the priorities of your home. Who's, who's the spiritual leader in the home? Maybe even it's making money. Oh, it's going to get quiet for a second. I'm not talking about making a living. Listen, I've been pastoring 20 years. I realize that sometimes sometimes to make a living, people have to work swing shifts, night shifts. Sometimes they have to work on Sundays. I understand that. Hey, I work every Sunday. I understand that, but you know, I've also seen it in the past 20 years where it's not just about making a living. It's about, you know what? I really want that bigger boat. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to work some overtime on Sunday so I can go ahead and get that bigger boat. It's, it's going to benefit my family. It's going to give us a bigger boat. Oh, I'm going to go. I'm, ain't nobody listening. I, nobody's responding. I'm just going to go ahead and preach it anyway. Maybe somebody out there online's listening. I don't know. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I'd, I'd really like a new side-by-side. -side. You know, it's going to be real good. I, I, it's just going to be for, you know, a month of Sunday, you know, a month of well, while work Sundays to get that uh, overtime or maybe even that double time and be able to do that. You know, it's not that big. Listen, I'm not trying to no, know you got to make a living. Everyone does. But sometimes the spiritual leader in your home can be making money, getting more stuff, and when that becomes the priority, oh, hallelujah. Lamentations 5, 15 through 18 says, the joy of our heart has ceased. Our dance has turned into mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned, because our heart is faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. Listen to this, verse 18. Because of Mount Zion, which is desolate, with foxes walking about on it. I believe that Israel allowed the little foxes to spoil the vine. Suddenly, the things that should have been priority did not be priority anymore. And what a picture we find that as now they are lamenting because they have been taken into captivity and now their homeland is, is, is a desolate place. What a picture there. I don't think, how many of y'all know, ain't nothing in here on accident. The Lord put it in there and here is this picture that Mount Zion, this holy place, has foxes walking about on it. Can I tell you for the church? We've done that too. We've let other stuff take the priority. Where the glory was once the priority, where the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost was once the priority, we found ourselves too many times desolate with, with all these other foxes just walking around on it. But then in verse 21 of that same chapter, they say, turn us 
back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored, renew our days as of old. I just need to tell you, it is never too late to correct your priorities. It is never too late to decide, Lord, I need I need the clock. I need to figure out where I'm at, and I need the compass so that you can tell me which way I'm headed, and I, if we're heading in a wrong direction through your spirit and through your word, bump me and let me know that it's time. Come on, how many of you ever, you've done it, used a GPS or on your phone now, and you take a turn, and it says, start saying, make a U-turn, make a U-turn, get back on course. Some of us today, God is speaking to us and saying spiritually, it's time to make a U-turn. It's time to get back on track. You are not heading toward the destination that you're supposed to be heading to. It is not too late for you. It is not too late for your family. God is speaking right now to you through the word and saying, turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. God can restore your direction and put you back on the path that you're supposed to be in. Stand with me, if you will, please, this morning. There is a cost to chasing foxes. I really don't say this lightly at all. And I try not to over-spiritualize everything. If you've been around me very long, you know that I don't. But I also do recognize that there there are certainly times where the Lord is trying to get a hold of us spiritually. I knew this week was coming up. I knew General Assembly was coming up. And the Lord put this in my spirit last week before we ever left for General Assembly. And as at 2 a.m., just over there, a little fox crossed my path. And then as one of our church elders, church council members got up and started talking about that very same thing, it confirmed to me that there is at least one or maybe multiple of us that need to hear this this morning, that there's a cost to chasing foxes. And if the enemy can't get you to just outright sin, the next thing he'll do is distract you and cause you to get your priorities out of line. Now, he knows some of y'all. He knows how. He knows that you're rooted. You're grounded. And he knows good and well that leading you into some grave sin, he's not going to be able to convince you to just go out and murder somebody. But he might be able to sneak in through the back door and cause you to start getting your priorities out of line. You know, if you're just a half a degree off, and I, I, I should have the statistics for this, the exact numbers for this, but if you're just a half a degree off in a short distance, you don't know it. But the longer you go, the more it becomes evident. 
That's why the enemy's so sneaky. Because if he can just get you a little bit off course, you're not going to notice it in the first little bit. If I'm on the path to that pallet right there, from over here, if I turn just a little bit over that way, I'm not going to notice it in this first step. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to just get Venus, get us veer off a little bit and be like, you know what? All, all, that, all that preaching and teaching, that Sunday school teaching, they didn't know what they was talking about. Here I am. I went ahead and got, I just missed, we're just going to miss one Sunday for ball. And then take the second step. You know what? It, it's not going to hurt us to take a couple weeks off. You know, we, we still love the Lord. Maybe even we'll still send the tithes in. And, and still, it's like, yeah, I'd still see it. But it's so slow, so sneaky, that before we know it, the longer we go, the further off course we are. It's like, Lord, how did I get here? I didn't, I didn't just, it wasn't like I was way back here and I was like, I'm going to just kill somebody and got way off course. I'm going to go have an affair and just, uh, no. So sneaky. The little foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vine. Get us off course until finally we find ourselves in a place where we're like, God, how can we, how did I get here? It's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things that got us here. But in that same passage that I read to you, that said Mount Zion, which is desolate with foxes walking about, that turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Listen, I don't know where you're at this morning. Listen, you may have done got this far off course. But you this morning you can say, Lord, restore. I gotta get back on course. It's not too late. It's a Lord, restore, get me back on course. Get me back in line. Hey, it may be taking a direct path. You know, sometimes I believe that's the way we got to do it sometimes. That when we get off course, it's not, well, you know what? Instead, instead of just, you know, I'll correct a little bit. No, we need to get back on the straight and narrow. Oh, well, that's another sermon for another day because I'm out of time. You've got to decide your priorities. I told you earlier, if you don't decide somebody else is going to decide for you. You must make the decision. You must make the decision. What's your priorities? Are you going to spend time chasing foxes? Are you going to waste time, waste resources chasing foxes because there's a cost to chasing foxes? Here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. If you're here, say, Pastor, I want to make sure. I want the Lord to help me. I want to get out the clock and the compass. And I want Him to help me figure out where I'm at and which direction I'm heading. I'm going to tell you, this is a, this is a, I want this to be, I just feel led that this is a family moment right here. A family moment. Whatever family you've got, if you don't have, just find you some extended family here. Find your church family. I want this to be a holy moment.